take two middle-aged men who happen to be cousins and share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? An existential exposition of cinematic synergy we call The Finleys on Film. Boom. Tom, are you looking for a good place to take your family to eat this Sunday? I always am. Tell me more, Joseph. Well, you might be interested in Mickey Rooney's <laughs> Potato Fantasy Family Restaurant, located at 4810 Ethel Street. That's uh, between Riverside Drive and Fulton. In North Hollywood? Well, let Mickey cook for you tonight. For a buck ninety-nine, Mickey will bring you back to the old, old, delicious potato dinners. <laughs> Mickey's very excited about his all-new restaurant. Quote, what a great country where a fella can offer up hot spuds to whoever wants to eat them. <laughs> Kapow! End quote. <laughs> so wait a minute, you're talking about a potato fantasy, are you? It's Mickey That's Rooney's. Sweet. What would be like the specialty plate? <laughs> <laughs> that's a baked uh, potato the size of a of a, babe, of a human child. <laughs> that's Mickey Rooney's Potato Fantasy Family Restaurant. Oh Again, God. located at 4810 Ethel Street off Riverside Drive between Fulton and Coldwater. Excellent. We finally have advertisers. We are legit at last. On to the podcast. God, no. I don't know if we want to. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. I can't. When you show me that, I, I have never been happier in my life. Just ridiculous. That's just a sponsor, Tom. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. When you told me we had a sponsor, that's yes. what I'm saying. Fair yes. enough. <laughs> that's Mickey Rooney's <laughs> Potato Fantasy Family Restaurant. A fantasy. A, mm-hmm. a fantasia, if you will, of mm-hmm. potato. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, all, all right, right, we're off, Mr. Finley. Hello. All right, Mr. Finley. So we're talking about um, Anna Magnani. Magnani. Oh, sweet, sweet Anna Magnani. You know, Anna Magnani, I don't think I, I had seen our second film before years ago, but mm-hmm. other than that, this is brand new to me, and uh, I'll be watching more. I'm going to just sort of front load my comments by saying I'll definitely be watching more Anna Magnani films. Okay, that's good to hear. So we start with 1945's Rome Open City. Rome Open City. This yeah, is, which I'd never seen before. That's not, really kind of, really what sort of recommended her to me which is mm-hmm. I wanted to watch this movie finally you know it's, it's iconic right or it was a Roberto Rossellini right it's Rossellini Rossellini and I've never seen a Rossellini have I no I uh, no I've never seen a Rossellini film before so oh. I always wanted to watch one and this is a perfect opportunity watching your and mind I love, work right there I was love, amazing thank you and I love Ms. Mignani so oh Mignani yeah so this is 1945 so this is like five years before um, Rossellini ruined Ingrid Bergman with his Italian <laughs> seed <laughs> cock <laughs> and then produced I think Isabella Rossellini yeah in 1951 right that's a good, that's a good uh, so, way to ruin and, someone and he was apparently putting his um, his uh, uh, the Sicilian wiener to uh, Miss Mignani in this film. Sure, absolutely. Why wouldn't he? Well, why wouldn't you? And, well, if you had the opportunity, well, mm-hmm. I would take that. It was called Open Minded City originally. Yeah. <laughs> open Pants. So the movie. Yeah, okay. So this is an interesting film, right? Because I mean, obviously it's, you know, it's it's a sort of criterion collection yeah, sort of, you it's, know. It's an important movie. It's an imbo- it's so-called it's important, an important movie. movie right. yes. <laughs> so I'm always looking for ways to to find it not important when I'm told hey, that it's my, an important yeah. movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, absolutely me too. Yeah. Like I, I like Careful. yeah, finding the flaw. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you when you get a criterion, this is the most movie. You, yeah. I, I I'm always looking for the flaw. That absolutely, they go fuck themselves. But yeah, yeah, I don't think this is one of those movies. Well, we'll find out. So so the little history lessons um, in order, and, and you're the historian here. So so I'm gonna just throw a couple of my perceptions out there because this is a, a weak part of World War II. My knowledge of of Italy uh, in the sense that so as far as I know, up until like 43. 
um, Italy's part of the Axis power, obviously, mm -hmm. with Japan and Germany. Right. And then with some defeats, like on Sicily, Palermo, um, by the Allied side, it sort of became divided. And the city was, I mean, the, 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 the nation of Italy was either conquered or liberated, depending on who you asked, I suppose. Right, of course. And, and so I would assume then that that meant that the lower half of Italy was more allied, but yeah. Rome is in, the, is in the lower half, and yeah. it was actually occupied in 44 by the Germans. So had they made their way back in again at that point? Because this film's about the occupation in 1944 of Rome. They moved up and down the peninsula just mm -hmm. a little bit right like in that area. We're, we're, we're talking, when this is happening, I believe Anzio would, have, would be happening at the same time. Well, it describe was, that, because again... It was a... It was a cause, cause, with our, Italian, our two Italian listeners are like, yeah, the ball's on you! You don't know this thing! <laughs> Bring a plant. Yeah. Bring me some parmesan. <laughs> well, no, because Italy is an incredibly easily defendable terrain, mm -hmm. and the Germans knew that, and mm -hmm. so the and we, I, I don't think we appreciated it significantly. So they they took a they put a minimal defensive force down there and just kept us like you know bogged down in those mountains forever and ever uh -huh. and ever. It just took, like the, the the bombing of Monte Cassino. You saw the Battle of San Pietro. Like it was sure. it was a slaughterhouse. Yeah, even, yeah. You know, regardless of how Houston fudged the facts the on that one. Thing, yeah. It was a, it was a, it was, I don't think ultimately it was a great idea. Okay. I don't think it even, it was supposed to draw off the Italians and the Italians by this point had quit. And that's why the Germans had come in and occupied because they yeah. wanted to keep that defensible terrain. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it was almost, I, we weren't even drawing off enough troops from the other fronts to make an enormous difference doing this. So why we kept doing it, I don't know. I guess it was one of those things where we had already invested in. And then the Anzio landing was an attempt to, Get closer to Rome, and uh, actually, the Germans like pulled out of Rome. I think at this point, yeah, to pull out. It was, it, was, it was incredibly dangerous. Like we, yep. had, we had put a like a powerful landing, and then they just sat on the fucking beach and didn't do anything. So, and so by that, so then the Germans came back and beat the shit out of us on Anzio quite a bit, and and it just. We never managed to shorten the war by going through Italy at so, all. So um, all of this is to say that so there's a, a sort of current in, of in, from a 1945 perspective mm -hmm. um, film made about the situation in Rome, which is that it's it's a city occupied by, by the, the Germans, Germans, right? And and, and imminently imminently hoping for our liberation of Rome. Some pre-martial version of martial law is sort of set down. You have a curfew in the city, right? You They're Nazis, so it's not going to be pretty. All right, and and then of course you have, um, as you did in other countries with like the the capos and so forth. You have like the the um, or or Vichy is probably a better example. You have the, the right. constituent who's who um, who cooperates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who cooperates? Yes. Well, whatever. And they're right. going to get their heads shaved at the end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not going to be pretty when it when it when it all comes when it all shakes out. Yeah. Okay. So so what happens is basically then it's you know the thing is all of that could lead to a very cliche movie in a way, right? Yeah. Which is to say it's all about like the resistance fighters and the relationship but this is a and film very often it is and and it's still worthwhile to watch those movies i think yeah. most of the time okay but but you're right there is there is there's like some really cool like twisty things going on it here. Tries... And rossellini doesn't let anybody off the hook no that's the perfect uh, thing to say he doesn't let anyone off the hook it is in some ways more sort of literary than those things because it's also mm. trying for sort of like timeless issues it's trying to fit them in a very specific situation right and it also has some sort of unique and Characteristics, and it's also very specific of the time and place. It's a kind of a yeah. nice little. It's a kind of a nice little. Uh, it's kind of a nice little one. It's a nice way they put what those two things it? together oh. and made them sort of happen. Yeah, yeah. it was really cool because it was Rome and it was yeah. you know Italy. So they had communists on one side yeah. and, and fascists on this, uh, fascists on the other side, and then mm -hmm. normal people, and then Stuck it was really with you. Yeah, 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 and sure. their hairs cut off. Yeah, mm. so 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 um, we have um, Manana. 
Anna Magnani. Man- Anna Magnani. Magnani. I'm having a lot of trouble with her name. Anna Magnani. Yeah, yeah. Anna Magnani, um, who who stars in this film, and, and she's um, she's well, okay, she's a local woman in Rome mm-hmm. who's um, betrothed to essentially a freedom fighter. Right. One of the freedom fighters. One yeah. of the freedom fighters. Her son. Uh, she's got a son who's who's a sassy young Italian boy. They make a lot of noise. Well, I mean, they're they're part of like the the, the future resistance in a way, right? Yeah, well, they're doing they're, they're actually doing more than most people are doing during the course of the movie. Which well, you actually so see, it's part of one of the original themes. Is like, under what conditions can you hide in plain sight? Right. Because it's like you know, who are the who are the people who are able to do the real work? You know, is it it's the priest, right? The local Catholic priest, and it's the children, yeah, because they can operate in in open mm-hmm. city, right? And right. then you have the sort of res- the classic resistance fighters, but you also have, if I may, if I'm jumping ahead, I will we'll backtrack. To me, it's a very sort of it's a a, um, a Christ analogy, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like you have those who are going to be sacrificed, right? For others, and then you have your Judases or Judai, as I like to say in the plural. Yes, um, you do and, like to say that. And they, <laughs> and they come, and then you have separate from the cooperators, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, okay, so collaborators—that's so, the word we're looking. Oh for. yeah, sorry, collaborators. Right. Yeah, no, right. yeah. So it's like it's really an interesting sort of um, mixture of people, right? So, so you have this priest who's. Um, well, I just want to back up yeah. really quickly on this point because. During World War II, like the priests were considered, it was a really interesting choice I think uh, Rossellini made because the, a lot of the priests were were considered part of the collaboration effort, in a sense. And then there were some of those. There's, there's some of those priests who were God, who were men of God, and did the right, you know, did the yeah. good work. That for sure happened. But like, uh, you know, the mythology is that the, Ro- the Roman Catholic Church was really sort of was very collaborationist in a sense. Oh, sure. So it was really cool for Rossellini to, to make the choice of having the priest be there. Yeah. But as you pointed out, it's one of those ways that they were able to work in plain sight, and they were able to use the priest to do that. Because they were in the sort of limited number of people who could, like, for instance, ignore the curfew to some extent, depending right. on the situation, right? right? Right. And they tapped into the. I mean, look. Even if you're a Nazi and and you you have a stronghold on a city, <laughs> if you're Nazi, please don't listen to her. Well, no, I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> but even if you, if you are, there's going to be. I mean, this I think all good movies that take apart World War II or the, or the European theater have yeah. this. Like, you st- the humanity's in there somewhere. The, the the troubling aspect of the Nazis isn't isn't that there's um, a sort of like an army of of um, moral morons, right? Right. It's right. actually that they're good people who went bad, or they're people. They're people in service of a particular ideology that's absurd. Is really what's going on there, I think. Yeah, I guess so. And in a way, it's an indictment of ideologies in yeah, general because exactly. the, the, the underground isn't an ideology. It's sort of base humanity versus ideology. Exactly. Right? You, you, they make the point of one of the major sort of one of the main freedom fighters is, a, is an avowed communist. Right. But that doesn't come up and is in no way important to his activities as part of the underground as he's opposed doing to the Nazis bigger. who are working with the ideology that, that set them down that path. Yeah. I mean, what I liked about it, I think, is because I've seen so many films, even films I like, like um, the this whole the white rose um, shoal. Oh yeah, 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 right. I've never seen that. Well, I mean, they're, they're great stories, but they they focus they they try to sort of lionize you know like this this underground press you right. know, like how it gets out, and it's like those things are existence existent and they they're referenced here, mm-hmm. but they're not made martyrs on the on the surface until it really counts. Like yeah. he saves martyrdom for the for the third act and right. in the right moments, yeah, yeah. and so it, it feels so much more earned. Well, you know what also makes it feel really earned, I think, is also the, 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 just the sheer immediacy of it. Mm-hmm. Like, th- this was filmed in 45. Right. These people 
like had been that hungry mere months before. Well, so they, that's why I think it's, it's crazy. Like they, like they, they, they still maintain the actual feel of that, that terror. I was thinking about two films that, that we've talked about that could possibly <laughs> generally be compared. One was Exodus and the other one was, Jim, oh. well, no, I was going to say Jamilia the Algerian. Oh, okay. The, the Yosef Shaheen film. All right. And to me, this is much more like uh, Jamilia the yeah. Algerian. Yeah, and, it, right. and it's because it has that same immediacy of, of like, this happened, we need to document it, even if it's sort of a drama documentation. Right, right, right. So, so anyway, I don't, I mean, the story is, Actually, in a way, it's, it's we're very, not much of a story. No, it's, it's very just, standard issue. It's it's like I tell you, hey, there's this movie about the resistance in Rome during German uh, during the German occupation, yeah. and pretty much you pictured it in your head as and, I said. And that. then yeah, it's just like things happen, and and yeah. people are are you know sought, you know mm-hmm. they're on the ten most wanted list, and they're caught, and they're tortured, pretty and like graphic torture in this. Pretty graphic torture. It's it's sort of like it brings me back to the whole sort of Christ analogy, right? Because it's like the, it's like when people here are tortured and they don't give up information. It's yeah. like the scourging of Christ. I mean, yeah. it's just like ridiculous sort of. Well, at like one point, they hang him on a wall too. <laughs> They, they hang yeah, him on a wall. Very the, subtle. One of the Romans is carrying a whip, so it's yeah. pretty. It's pretty <laughs> That's a good point, actually. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, so, so it accomplishes um, all of that, and and it, it it focuses, I think, not on story, but rather on fleshing out characters. It's very, very character driven. I agree. Now, but let me ask you this: Would yep. you call this a propaganda film? I don't know because propaganda has to have some sort of purpose, and once the war is over, I'm not. I'm not precisely sure what the purpose would be unless it's to sort of put your footprint of history down i think i think that was what i would suspect of it but i think the humanity like inside of it and the actors in it push it past the being mere propaganda well so i remember i had a, i had a german professor um who made this statement and it seemed kind of ridiculous and maybe it was over the top but but i, I thought it was interesting and it was that after world war ii it took germany like a couple of decades to get the true translations of like the Odyssey back because they'd been so perverted by Nazi wow. Wow. You know, retranslating, like to get right. a real version back. Right. And in a way, maybe you're right. Maybe it's Rossellini's attempt to say, we're not going to let that happen. Immediately, let me put this film out that humanizes yeah. characters in this situation. Right, because he could have just done a movie about poor people in Rome or something yeah. like that, but he did it about this, yeah. this particular thing. Yeah, and it's really I, one of the things I found interesting about his approach to filmmaking now, not just storytelling, mm. is um, I noted that exterior scenes were of the basically the same quality as your dad's home movies. <laughs> but interior, I had, to, I had to notice the same thing myself. You're right. You're not, quite right. But it's not a criticism. I, I mean, maybe I'm just sort of too in love with Rossellini because of this film. But one of the things I, I was thinking about, like Louis C.K., like the whole thing about. Try to figure out what you what would actually matter because right. we're told in storytelling whether you're it's writing or directing that that all of these things matter and it's like yeah you never want to get to the place where continuity is of no issue and so you have terrible match cuts and you know yeah, of course yeah. you still have to have right. technique but I was thinking like what's the consequence of a kind of like badly lit shaky tracking shot on the on the um, streets of Rome. I mean, if it were intentionally done that way, I think I would like it less because it's like, yeah. don't try to, you know. But if it's just like, look, this doesn't matter. All I need is to get information. He walked down the street and right. now he's in this apartment. Right. And then I want to get to the important stuff, which is the conversation he has in the apartment. Well, exactly right. But I think there's also a little bit of the time and place of it, too, because they would have been under the American occupation at this point. They might not have had per- 
permits to do any of that shit outside. Mm-hmm. And so every they had to do like one take. It was like, you know, it was like black exploitation. Like yeah. one take, boom, you walk across the street, we capture that and we move on. Yeah, it could be. I don't I, know. I would suspect that that's an element. I'm in great admiration of, of Rissolini, too. And I previously oh, was dude, just he, for ruining Ingrid Bergman. I was going to say, he nailed Ingrid Bergman. But I, I mean, not admire that. Yeah, I'd like to see Maybe. a lot more Rissolini films. Yeah, yeah, me too. So, all right. So, um, yeah, I'm going to. I'm on a new quest for some more Rosalini. So let's move on. Well, uh, oh, well, actually, before we do that, let's step back and, and yeah. talk a little bit about Anna Magnani. I think well, she right. is a This trem- is a, an episode dedicated <laughs> yeah. to her. We haven't really talked about why her. Why not talk about Sorry. her a little bit? No, she is. I think she's like, she's she's a magnetic personality. Oh, she's magnetic in a way that most other Hollywood women are not magnetic. And I hate to add this 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 notation because it, it, it itself seems so cliche as a way of talking about what we really want to talk about. But it's like... I guess you have to say not in the usual way. She's not. She's not uh, particularly no. attractive. She is actually attractive, but she not is. in any like. She's not a great beauty. No. She's not a sex symbol. She is simply a, like a startling human being. Yeah, she's she's like she's that thing where like the like, you know there's the, um, the the stereotype of the fiery Italian woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She is that, but she's actually the real. Ideal. She's the real thing. She's you the, understand the how the mythology that, gets there? The, exactly. The yeah. realness comes through, shines through. She yeah. is. She's a, she's fabulous. She's not only that. We see it more in, in the second movie, film, only, I think. Yeah. But 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 she's she's not only like like fiery and and passionate and sort of engaging. She's got like this very very subtle humor. Yes. Um, to her, that's that's really mesmerizing. Right. And she's got and she and she's got what I would call like a, she's got an intellect. There's an intellect into there too. Mm-hmm. It's not like incredibly sophisticated, but it's yeah. sufficient. Yeah. And I, and I don't know. I, I'm and all of it's of, wrapped up, and she looks like if Steve Perry from Journey put on a little weight, <laughs> right? When the lights go down in the city, the open city, Rome. Uh, don't stop believing, Joey. All right. Yeah. yeah fair enough. Okay. Let's <laughs> let's move on. You just made it horrible. Sorry. I mean, she's not an attractive woman, but she no, is but an attractive she, yeah, woman in a weird she's way. She's the woman whose attraction comes from like the other little things. You know, I think it's one of those things like. Um, if you were to decide, if you if it were a, a dichotomy, right? If you had to choose either um, really stunning, good looking, or the person you'd actually like to spend the rest of your life with, she's that second category. Oh, of course, you dude. Just, and not only that, but just spend some time in bed. Like she would ruin you. Now, how so? Oh, come on. She's got ah, oh, she's got a bush like nobody's business. You know she knows. There's there are some women who have a sexuality that bleeds through screens forty years later, and she's mm-hmm. one of those people. I see. So the word bleeds. Mm-hmm. You know what doesn't bleed, Tom? <laughs> a potato. Yes, you're looking tr- for a good potato meal. Yes. Mickey Rooney's Potato Fantasy Family Restaurant at 4810 Ethel Street between Riverside and Fulton Drive. Oh yeah, one ninety nine. Mickey's waiting to cook for you. It's my potato fantasy, and he's right. It's a great. It's a great country where you can cook up a mess of spuds. Let's move on to nineteen. 19- <laughs> <laughs> Dude, can we get Earth, Wind, and Fire for that next time? Let's move on to 19... (laughs) (laughs) The the sky. (laughs) 1955's The Rose Tattoo. This is, of course, Uh, based on a lesser-known... Yeah, Tennessee Tennessee Williams Williams play. play. Well, no, here's a funny thing. Mm -hmm. Tennessee Williams wrote the play for Anna Magnani. 
She couldn't do it because she didn't have her English. She, her English wasn't good enough at Did the time, so she didn't that. do the play. Mm-hmm. But when she had she had perfected her English by the time much more by the time they'd moved into the, making the movie. Any anyone any no, one who's notable who ended up doing the play? I don't remember. Okay. I, wasn't, I wasn't interested in that part. I was just like fascinated. Tennessee Williams saw her on screen and said, yeah. "I love that. I'm going to write a fucking play for that person. I don't even know." He's had this issue before because I remember mm-hmm. with Vivian Lee, it it was sort of Jessica Tandy and 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 then. Vivian Lee was his second choice, and then she turned out being the one who, who was famous for the role. Right, right, right. Actually, it's not that close at all. But anyway, yeah, 1955's similar. The Rose Tattoo, <laughs> starring Anna Mignani and, and Burt Lancaster. Yeah, what's interesting okay, about wow. Burt Lancaster is this. Uh-huh. He shows up kind of in the second half of the film, mm-hmm. and in my opinion, it's not that important. For the first time ever that I've seen a Burt Lancaster film, it's not that important that it's Burt Lancaster. No, no, it he's sort of superfluous to the he's, whole thing. It is sort of superfluous, and he's doing like he's he seems unBurt Lancaster, unBurt Lancastery to me. I think because because he's because he's a fucking goofball, which well, he never is in a movie. But he, I think he's also trying to match some sort of acting wits. With yeah, he's trying. Well, he's trying to he's trying to push his intensity. Well, okay, but think sure. about this: like, the, if the situation is this, you know, broadly speaking, we'll, and we'll try to flesh the details out. It, it, it's a, a woman who's who's now lonely and kind of wants to be alone and yeah. is miserable, right? Mm-hmm. Think about the next year he did some version of that with Catherine Hepburn, right? Right, in the Rainmaker, right, right. But here's the difference: whatever the, Catherine Hepburn does, and she does a lot of great things, uh, and I think we noted that in that film, she's, she's one of the best actors. She's of all the time. real actress. Yeah. In the film nonetheless mm-hmm. in terms of her magnetism she's no Anna Mignani yeah and yeah that's that's crazy to say isn't it and so in 1956 you have Burt Lancaster doing a similar type of role and, and he's way over the top and in this one yeah he's got his sort of he, he plays a goofball but he's superfluous to Anna Mignani but I think what part what, what makes that happen is as I agree as you said before I think he's trying to match her intensity yeah. whilst being a goofball yeah. and it like almost negates itself in a sense, it almost what? It almost negates itself. It's I thought so you said weird. almost said a racial slur there, Tom. Oh no, absolutely not, sir. Oh, mm-hmm. Fie, fie upon thee. Okay, go talk about sure. talk about potatoes. Come on, a potato. You know, if you're in the food <laughs> for a good a good fried chicken dinner. Okay, so so we're talking about um, the scenario is also kind of myst- it's got like Tennessee Williams and a little noir in it, right? Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a. Because the whole beginning, it's sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, she's married to a guy that you never see, you never hear. Right. You only see from the side, you know, first of all, he's much too good looking for her. Of course. Um, they have a teenage daughter. Mm-hmm. She's pregnant again. Right. And all you see of this guy is his rose tattoo. His rose tattoo, correct. And right. then he heads off in his truck where he's like hiding cocaine and bananas or something. Right. Yeah, probably As beer. we all have. Yeah, yeah, right. He hasn't done that. And um, it's also clear that he's having an affair with a, a sort of a, a woman from in town. Right. Now, because Anna Mignani is a seamstress, and this woman insultingly brings her a shirt to make for her lover, turns yeah. out to be Anna Mignani's. It's kind of a dickish. That's, that a, a that's dick some move. Jerry Springer bullshit. That is wrong. That's not okay. Don't do that. Stop that, young Italian woman. And anyway, the husband it dies. Yeah. And so now... Yeah, he's chased by the cops and he dies, right? Yeah, yeah for his banana cocaine. Yeah. So, so. It's banana cane. It's banana cane. Okay. That was not worth This is not worth what you just did, but that's okay. <laughs> it was appealing. Mm. Oh, God. You're the pits. Wait, that's not the right That's number. banana pits. So, so now what we, it's like a study. 
It's just Anna Mignani, Mignani bringing us through the study of grief. Yeah. And it's like, it's very like Italian or like, you know, maybe yeah. Greek. Very operatic. Your I think operatic out. is the word you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Carmen, relax, baby. No, but you know what? It's like, I'm on board, man, with her mm-hmm. grief. She's, yeah. a, she's grieved to the point. She plays it just right. She, she becomes a dick. No, and she becomes addicted to her own grief. That's another part of it too. Well, it's it's the the priest the sort yeah. of uh, hits the nail on the head. It becomes self indulgent as yeah. grief often does, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can relate. She has mm-hmm. this sort of great. You know, I don't know whether she was a method actress or not. Right. I, she's probably just too genuine to no, be a method I don't think actress. She is. I think she's like Mafune. Like she's got like she's just so yeah. she just she just naturally can hit that hit that note. Yeah, well, she does. And so there's all this sort of conflict, like her daughter's beautiful daughter mm-hmm. who sort of like wants a life again, right? right? And right. her mother. Is not able to give it to her yeah. in any way, and and even like the old ladies in the neighborhood who used to sort of relate to her when she was this happy-go-lucky woman. Mm-hmm. You know, her husband dies, she loses the baby, she goes into grief, and it's just like the study in misery. Yeah, and also sort of like and she, uh, she just shuts herself in. Well, how you fool and takes yourself. the daughter with her, yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. very clear that that anyone who had eyes that she could figure out that this woman who lives in town was having an affair with her husband. Well, I was just thinking, I, I was just thinking a second ago, like, man, Tennessee Williams does not have a great overview of women, or does not have a, a kind view of most women. <laughs> because then another woman comes along and, 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 and in an act of spite, Tells her, yeah, your husband was fucking this other one. Oh, I forgot about that. That's Joe Van Fleet. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. Mean oh, she's thing awful. To do, yeah, right. I totally forgot about that scene. Yeah, so it's sort of like, yeah, she has all of this stuff going on. She wants to withdraw, I, and it also, it's like it's never stated, but it's like you know, she's a Sicilian immigrant. Yeah, I think she and her husband, and it's like now your grief is as a foreigner mm-hmm. who's also sort of displaced from your local community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like in all ways, she's just sort of floating there miserable. And every and time she, would, she has an outburst mm-hmm. and she's embarrassing, you you sympathize with her still. Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. that's a fucking talent, man. Yeah, it really is. And, and, the, and, the, and so in the movie, she moves from the grief of lo- losing her husband to the grief of the lie that they had been living mm-hmm. when he was stepping out on her the yeah. whole time. You know? Yeah. And and of course and then of course and then at that point it also brings in the you know the, the wasted time she's already put you know like that investment of yeah. it as well it becomes very complicated at that point yeah it, it, it's 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 nicely paced um, and then of course we get to like the the third act which, which is, is where. Which is Dagobert Lancaster comes in. He also was a banana delivery guy. I think that's very big in their town. I think it was uh, um, Tennessee Williams slipping in a little penis humor when uh, it's noted that the uh, dead husband had a five-ton truck, uh, but this guy's okay, he has a three-ton truck. (laughs) I don't know. Am I crazy? Yes, you are, but that might not be the proof. That might be right. Okay, so so now, you know, again, this is... um, Burt Lancaster, it's a little bit, he's a little bit like Marty, a Marty character. He's yeah. a little bit like William Holden in, uh, in Picnic. He's this sort of combination of like good guy, yeah. kind of goofy, no. has his fantastic Burt Lancaster body. A scamp. Oh, yeah, he does. He's kind of a scamp. He's, he's got, he, play, he works on humor. He's trying to get to Anna Mignani through, through making, you know, having a good time and making her laugh. And all like, he's doing a bad Italian thing. He's this bad Italian. And, and it's classic Burt Lancaster, horrible. Um, he does one of the worst outside of Steve McQueen um, laughter. Like, ah, you know, his horrible, you know, yes. orangutan teeth <laughs> laughter. <laughs> yep. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, so so he comes in. It's it's all about now that, that the next part just takes place over like two days, essentially. Right. right. And it's all about like his trying to pitch woo to her and her. You know, you get these. This is what a great actress is. These little looks like yeah. of, toward his body. Like eh, she puts him. She puts okay. him. Yeah. And then she puts him in. Puts him in her place. There's yeah. a wit, too, to the writing, but the delivery, too. 
Yeah. She's it's, something else. She's something else. And so Burt Lancaster is just sort of like in this perfunctory role of like really he's he's the red cape and she's the bull, right? I mean, he's just like sort of drawing yeah. – he, his the purpose of his character or him as an actor is just to sort of draw her out of this place that she has to get out of. And will yeah. she is the question. Right, right. I'm, you know, I'm just thinking because you, you, you made the point, and I think it's actually – now that I'm thinking about it, it's a very good point, which okay. is almost any actor could have done it. But is there an actor who could have really pulled it off? Sydney Greenstreet. <laughs> Jack Klugman, everybody. <laughs> a young Charles Bronson. Actually, he would have pulled it off. Well, maybe, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, and then it's just no use talking about the resolve. Let's talk about like anything else. Like, the, like what'd you think of the direction or. You know, what do you think of the film outside of? It's a great, it's a good, it's a, it's a good, competent Hollywood composition. There's nothing, yeah, it's pretty straightforward, I think. It's one of those extraordinary about like Rome, like we could talk about Rome Open City and talk about like the composition and the way that the the shots play out and and how some of them are rougher than others and blah, blah, blah. But the Rose Tattoo is, it's, it's Hollywood. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like none of that really, I mean, unless something stood out to you, I couldn't think of anything like that. I don't even remember who the director is, frankly. Oh, we don't even care. Man, we don't give a It's shit. right in front of me on the computer. I'm not going to turn around and look at it. You're not even going to do it. Because it's about Anna. You know what? Don't do it. Anna Mignani. Anna Mignani. Anna Mignani. Yeah. All right. So I think a high recommendation. Oh, fuck yeah. Absolutely. For both I am films. a huge. I, yeah. I, I, just, just stop right there. Uh, I'm a huge. Champ. I'm a huge. No, I'm uh, I, yeah, I, I. Some actresses I have a bit of a crush on, and she's definitely one of them. Yeah, me too. I'm going to yeah. be watching more of her. All right. Tommy, do you have anything to tell us? Yeah, man. Uh, go check out uh, TomSmithComedy.com. I try to list my shows there when they're uh, when uh, you know when I have enough time. Um, yeah, it's going to end um, yeah, uh, at Smitty Haw on Twitter, the Twitterverse. Okay. And we'd like, us, uh, we'd like for you to rate and review us on iTunes. Also, we should mention that we're really excited that Carmen Gafkin, uh, a local comedian, will be joining us. Next week on That's the podcast. Right. So, yeah, what do we do? We talk. Do we want to tell them what we're talking about? Nah, nah. she'll be on. She'll be talking movies and making yeah. us laugh with the ha ha's. <laughs> so check her out, um, Carmen Gefkin <laughs> on Twitter, uh, on Bert, Facebook. Pert laughter. Pert laughcaster. <laughs> and I think she has a new album out. We'll talk about. All right. All right, Tommy. Fabulous. <laughs>